a new episode. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Um, first, I just want to say thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for telling other people to listen. I'm absolutely blown away that one, anyone is listening consistently, and two, they like it so much that they want to share. I just thank you. I mean, I know that's what I keep asking people to do and you're you're just doing what I've asked, but that doesn't mean anything, <laughs> right? We're all asked to do various things throughout our day and our life that we're like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I genuinely, genuinely appreciate your support and kindness, and I'm utterly blown away by it. I have shout outs for folks who wrote some reviews on iTunes. Thank you, thank you, thank you to EDF8583 and to uh, JWeaver81. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And I really, really appreciate it. So yeah, you guys know the drill. If you can head over to iTunes and rate, review, subscribe, you don't have to download iTunes. You don't have to become um, an iTunes member, Apple member. Uh, Just rate, review, subscribe. You can get there at iTunes.com, I believe, or probably Google will send you the rest of the way there. Um, Or just subscribe for whichever uh, iPad, iPad. I'm a grandma sometimes and don't know how things work. Whatever app you use for your podcast is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so on to today's episode. I'm very excited to share it with you. My dear friend, Chase Paget, a talented performer, beloved friend, and a former Disney employee, although current Disney employee because he also does uh, cruise ship work as well. And we talk about our time at Disney together and the theme parks in general in Florida, I think it's wonderful. It's a lot of fun. It's pretty educational. And we answer some questions that folks wrote in. And I'm excited to hear what you guys think about it. As always, you can get in touch with me at Twitter, I think you're nice. Uh, Facebook, I think you're nice. And my email address is Sarah at I think you're nice.com. And my Facebook, or excuse me, my uh, regular just website is I think you're nice.com. You guys got this memorized. You know the drill. All right. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy. Have a lovely day. And we'll talk to you later. See you next time. Bye. Hi. I think you're nice. Why? Hi. I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat. So let's chat. So let's chat. Think you're nice, so let's chat. Hi, everybody. It's Sarah Hanshar. How are you? Good. Me too. Uh, Welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice, a podcast where I talk to a nice person about nice things for about an hour-ish after editing. And today my guest is Chase Paget. Hello. And we're going to talk about Disney, because Chase and I worked at Disney together. Disney we World. sure did. Disney World. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, Epcot is where you and I worked together 100% of the time, though we worked at other places. Yeah. That's where we worked at pretty much all the time together. That was, Epcot was my, was my original home stage. Was that your original home stage as well? Uh, no, original home stage was Turtle Talk. But I mean, it was in Epcot still. It was in Epcot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
folks who've listened to the podcast previously, hey, thanks. And also, you've heard me mention um, Disney probably a few times. And if you don't know me personally, I worked there for about eight years as an equity actor, um, which means, and Chase was a, an equity actor there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are various positions as being a performer at Disney. We have our wonderful face characters, of course. That's your fairy godmother, your princesses, your princes, um, the people who you see their beautiful faces and you get to take a picture with them and they're dressed in costume. Right. Those people are usually uh, in college or fresh out of high school. They're in their early 20s, no later than that if they're a princess. We have lots of friends who started out in face um, in various Mm -hmm. other positions. It's hard. It's those, hard. Are, those are long shifts. Those are quick breaks. Those are hot costumes. Um, oh, my God. So hot. And those people, they work hard for the money. So please, um, of course, have a wonderful, magical experience, but also Treat respect, them with respect and love them because oh. they they genuinely want to give you a magical experience. They really do. And they're working hard and they they love it and they love you. So, um, but a lot of people ask me like, oh, were you a fairy godmother? Were you blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to just like let you know, uh, listeners, that there are several different styles of um, entertainment actor, actor entertainment at Mm -hmm. Magic, or not at Magic Kingdom, but all the Walt Disney World. Now, Disneyland is something different entirely that I won't even guess. They're not equity. They're, I think. um, uh, Yeah, it's different out there. mm -hmm. And uh, I think we can only really speak with confidence and experience about the Disney World situation. I can also speak to now that I've done it. Disney Cruise Line. Chase goes on boats. Yeah. I just started working as a guest performer for Disney Cruise Line and it's. Very awesome. Very different than the experience that you and I had. Sure. But if we get around to it, perhaps it's worth talking about. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk about the cool. cruise cruises because I personally have never had any desire to go on one, a cruise. I got to um, tell you, uh, I know we're getting off on a tangent. No, we'll get back it. to That's it. That's what but we're here for. The Disney Cruise Line is no joke. It's <laughs> awesome. It's really great. It you Here's the thing I, I learned, like talking to other people who worked on different cruise lines in various capacities. One, the Disney ships are great. They really, really have a world-class standard of quality. Honestly, I've never seen a better run organization. I really <laughs> nice. haven't. Wow. Um, but in terms of like cruise lines, I, I think it's like similar to theme parks. You get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Is Disney going to be more than your average amusement park? Oh, Yeah. But you get your money's worth on yeah. both counts. Yeah. And that's something, I mean, that's why it's such an iconic place to go and such a huge dream for people to get there and people save and are obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a big fat phony when I got down to Orlando. Really? Um, yeah, because I just auditioned. Uh, so for my journey, how I got into Disney was I was living in Chicago at the time. Right. I was doing whole improv sketch comedy Second thing. Second city stuff. Second city stuff. Um, I didn't work pr- at proper Second City. I worked at, <laughs> hold on, just because I know a certain, some people are going to be like, she never worked at Second City. And you're right. But also, I'm right. Um, anyway, I was part of their, one of their house ensembles. Yeah. So technically I got paid about 24 bucks, but it counts. Anyhoozle, I was in Chicago, auditioned for Disney. Um, they called me back a couple of times and then they offered me a role and offered to get me down to Florida and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got there and I was very excited and I'd been to Disneyland, Disneyland a couple of times mm. and it's had a wonderful experience. I was deeply obsessed with it's Pirates great. of the yeah. Caribbean. 
And, but everyone else who was like in traditions class, traditions is a class you take it's to get you acquainted with the company. It's, um, it's orient. It's like day one orientation. orientation. Yeah. Where they give you kind of the lay of the land about the whole organization. Cause it's the Disney world is the largest single side employer on earth. Really? Oh yeah. Look who remembers his tradition stuff. You guys, I earned my pins. It's. <laughs> It's it, like when people go or they hear about Disney World, I don't know how often you heard about this, but whenever you had friends or family visit mm-hmm. for the first time. Oh, yeah. The, I experienced them often remarking about the scope of it. And like just what you see as a guest isn't even half yeah. of the overall organization. It's massive. So your first day of orientation has next to nothing to do about your actual day-to-day job oh it's all about culture and values and uh, history it's it's a real crash course and like oh have you never heard of disney before well buckle up buttercup here we go yeah here comes the white glove (laughs) Uh, the two-fingered point white glove definitely definitely (laughs) the two-finger point see people don't know about that you would learn about that you would in uh Traditions. traditions so for instance listeners in uh, your theme park training, you're told to, if you ever ask, like, hey, where is the bathrooms or where is this? And you want to refer to it. You either point to it with two fingers, your first finger and your second finger, or you point with your whole. I'm demonstrating it physically. It looks great. Thank you. <laughs> in a podcast. Uh, or your whole hand palm outstretched in like a fin. You don't ever point with just your first finger. Oh, over there. One, because it's a little too casual and you want something that's a little more uh, formal in its intention. But also, you get people from all over the world, right? And some cultures, as we're trained, mm-hmm. find that gesture offensive, even if it's not pointed at them. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, there is so much that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And going into going into traditions, I trained in with my group of actors who joined me in the show that I was in. Most of them had already lived in Florida or were already deeply obsessed with Disney. Oh, yeah. And so i that's where I felt like a fraud because I'm like, I like Disney and I'm very excited to be here. But I like when people are like, we get to go to the Mouseketeria, which is the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And and somebody's like, it's a dream come true. And I just felt like such a fraud. I'm like, yeah, Subway. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what, though? I feel like sometimes um, the people who come in with that level of enthusiasm Mm -hmm. are the ones that might not last because they have an idea of what it's going to be like to work there. And it is awesome to work there. Yeah. But it is also a job. It's real hard. You're going to have to put in the time and the effort for sure. And just like any other large organization, like there's a corporate structure to it. And sometimes it can feel... Like it doesn't have the the nuance of a smaller organization that would maybe benefit people, you know, uh, that's just a structural thing. I find that people who show up and they're like excited, but they're not hanging their life identity on it. That's oh, life identity. I like right? it. Yeah. Right. Like if you show up with a Tinkerbell tattoo. <laughs> First of all, you cannot show that. Uh, it yeah. has to be covered. Very much so. <laughs> And if you showed up yeah. with a beard, I think it's different now. It is. You're allowed. 
May I talk briefly about the beard situation? Because it cracks me up. Yeah. Uh, for a long time. Jace would know this because he uh, has facial hair. I do not, except mm-hmm. for my chin hairs, mm-hmm. brag. And um, so you can, now you can have a beard. You cannot grow a beard. Yeah. You may have it or not. So if there's you, no middle ground, there is up. no middle ground. So people took vacations in order to grow in their beards. I and actually come got back. in trouble for this. Oh, did you really? I did. So uh, I worked at a, a stage at Epcot where the audience actually doesn't see you. Mm-hmm. They're just interacting with a character that you're puppeteering live. Mm-hmm. You're in another part of the building. You're not even wearing like a costume. A costume. Really? Yeah. Um, so they're never going to see me have scruffy facial hair. And even as I'm walking through the park, they'll never think of me as like a person who works there. Yep. Because you're, you're just not another wearing schlub. Any... Right. Really. You're just Sorry, wearing. I didn't mean to call you a schlub. No. But you I... know what I mean? We all schlubbed My in and out. My <laughs> wardrobe is mostly Old Navy. Schlub is accurate. <laughs> um, But I remember one time I got written up for having a beard because I went away to do uh, improv training for like a five week program at I.O. in Chicago mm-hmm. in 2009. And when I and that the whole time I was like, I can have a beard now. I want to see what it's like to grow a beard. Because I hadn't had that option for years. So I grew a beard, came back, and was totally busted my day one. Like my manager's manager. Oh, dang. Yeah. Went to the top. Yeah. Like the head of entertainment for Epcot, basically. Dang. Came in and was like, do we need to have a conversation? And I was like, "Mm, no. No. I totally got in trouble for having a beard and it wasn't even like half grown it was a full, full five beard. week beard that was too much beard at the time too much beard but then they changed their i was gonna say that beard would have been an appropriate beard let's see when did i leave 2015 so it was like by 2013 or 14 is when the beard the aok beard policy came in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so but again you can have it or not <laughs> right. There is no in I between. Mean, and I get it. Honestly, that totally makes sense. Oh, for sure. You want everyone to look because we all wear different costumes. You want a sense of professionalism and like hospitality and mm-hmm. cleanliness mm-hmm. and like, oh, you seem like you know what's going on here. You crisp person. Absolutely. That's one of the things I really appreciated about working at Disney was the level of intention in intentional design yes. over every single aspect that the guests interact with. Everything. The garbage can. The garbage cans, the 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 topiaries, right? Mm-hmm. All the way down to like the minute details of your name tag. Yep. That kind of intentional design, I think, really makes Disney stand apart. I mean, compared to like most of your theme park uh, experiences, yeah, it it goes down to their filmmaking. It goes down to all their stuff. You know, you might not necessarily like jive or resonate with their particular brand, but I think it's pretty inarguable that what they do, they do extremely well. And it's that level of intention, I think. It makes sense when they're like, no havesy beards. Yeah. Yeah, you can't come in here with a soul patch and sell a churro <laughs> on our property. Get that filthy soul patch out of here. Look, if these people are paying $20 a turkey leg, they don't want it from a goatee. Get it together, Jason, with a Y. Oh, God. Um, 
so you already lived in Orlando. So how'd you get to Disney? Uh, well, I actually grew up in Florida. Yeah. So when you grow up that close to Disney, it sort of always feels like it's your backyard. Even though okay. the town I grew up in, I actually was born in Central Florida, but then spent most of my childhood in a place that was like a three-hour drive from Disney. So it never felt far away, even though sure. I only went like a couple times as a kid. It always felt like it was close. So um, the idea of like working there or what – my mom actually worked there, come to think of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, when I was real, real young, uh, she worked there briefly in like the wardrobe department doing oh, – I don't even remember now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the idea that like, oh, that's a place you could work and spend time totally existed in my mind. Uh, then I remember auditioning for Disney. I don't know if I've ever told you this part. When I, I was know. like 18. Okay. 18 or 19, like right out of high school, because there was this thing called uh, Comedy Warehouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they posted a thing on their audition website uh, that they were looking for comedic actors. I had done a little bit of makeshift improv in my high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like everyone who's ever been to high school, that's real world training. And it's going to apply in a professional <laughs> scenario, you think. Uh, so I drove three hours, got a hotel room. Oh, my God. Uh, woke up the next morning, went to the audition. Mm-hmm. I started my monologue. I got maybe 10 seconds in mm-hmm. before they went, okay, thank you. Mm. And that was the end of that. And it was like, I can remember it being palpably crushing. But yeah. I was like a late teenager. I'm not a grown-up. And that's a grown-up job. That is a, that is a grown-up job. That it, stage in particular. I uh-huh. mean, most – actually, to be honest, most of the equity stages are – you got to know your shit. You got to yeah, you, you you need to be on the top of your game because the wealth of talent in that town is insane. That's a thing. I I think you can I you and I can both agree on. Uh for once. For once. We, we're conf, constantly so at each other's yeah. throats. <laughs> Ugh, you can hear the animosity in the room. It's, we've known each other for 11 years, but it's uh, we're done. Ugh. After this podcast, it's over. I'm going to firebomb your car what no no but it's so nice though her name is fern anyway (laughs) so what we can agree upon the wealth of talent (laughs) yeah a lot of people think like oh you work at a theme park and you're like an actor at a theme park and i think it comes with a connotation of quality or professionalism or talent that does not reflect the reality yeah people think it's kind of like low oh you're just working at a theme park and then they don't really realize that the caliber of talent that kind of thing draws to it, particularly at Disney and in Universal down the street, mm-hmm, absolutely can be really high. Because if you're an actor or a, a musician or, or what have you, you know, you want to do your craft, but it's hard to get regular work. And benefits. And benefit. Actually, oh, my God. Benefits are non-existent no. for most artists no. non- non-existent unless you are lucky enough to to work in a original theater or a theater or a, a company that will take care of that for you for the most of us day-to-day actor performer jerks oh, yeah we're on our own you're just swinging from vine to vine yeah whereas when when disney comes along and says hey we'd like to offer you a job 
it's 40 hours a week. Wink, wink. It's actually closer to like 30. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get paid for 40. It's an equity contract. So you have a union behind you. You're getting vacation time and benefits as an actor. And you still get to perform and use this skill set that yeah. you've trained for professionally for years. That's a very alluring scenario for many people. And that means that there's talent that competes for those positions. Absolutely. Our dear friend, um, Megan, um, hopefully it's okay I talk about you, Megan. She was on Broadway with Mamma Mia. Oh, yeah. And so, and the, and then she was like, this is... Michelle Knight. She, she's like, uh, she was the female, like, world swing for Jersey Boys for years. Oh, nice. And where was she right before that? She was working at the Finding Nemo musical. And where did she work right after that? The Finding Nemo musical. Because she's an incredible talent. Yep. But God, the regularity. Having having that, Ugh. especially for, because um, uh, one guy in, in mind, his name is Grant. He was Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was Phantom. On Broadway. Uh, I, I believe on Broadway. I'm not okay. 100% sure. I believe so. But even if it's um, a touring, like, who, sure. Yeah, yeah. That caliber. You know, like, the song that everybody knows. <laughs> right. He sang it. Memories. Yeah. From Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> oh, my God. That's from Cats. He knows. He's being funny. People, calm sure. down. Sure. Okay. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, but he, you know, he came down to Florida and he's like, yeah, I can have a family and like you can plan yeah. for your future and it, it, you can do things that you can't normally – you can do them. Of course you can do them. It's just much scarier and much harder. It's much scarier. Like if you want to have a family and you want to be a good parent, you need to be able to provide stability for your children. Sure. I, I come from a pretty chaotic upbringing as a kid and like I, I don't know if I'll ever have kids, but if I ever do, I will do – everything I can to give them the stability I didn't have. But I chose to be a performer for work. <laughs> so having the stability that I had at Disney for years was a real godsend. Yeah. Um, also, I think, I, I don't know if this was like the case for you, because you came from Chicago in a professional theater and improv and sketch background before you came to the parks, but I think working for Disney set a standard of performing quality Mm -hmm. and expectation that I don't think you get unless you really take a professional plunge. Yeah. It, yes, I absolutely agree with you. (laughs) I, uh, I remember it was early in the rehearsal process. Um, guys, I'm not a perfect person. I came in and I was hung over AF and my director's like, Hey, you look pretty rough today. And like, he didn't say anything else. And we went on with rehearsal and everything was fine. But I'm like, all right. I am. How old was I? 21. I, I'm like, all right. Or 22. I don't know. I was an age. Um, oh, God, I wish I was 22. I was 25. Anyway, I was t- I was I was uh, technically too old to be making that kind of mistake at a professional level. Oh, but yeah. it hadn't sunken in yet. I'm like, whatever. I'm you know I'm performing and I have this. I feel I have a chip on my shoulder. I'm doing this cool thing, and here I am. And boy, I and that was a kindness. That was he could have looked at you and went no get out bye. Yep, exactly. And that was the feeling that I got. And then I'm like, okay, I need to right the ship and stay on track 
and not ruin this for myself because the only person who's going to ruin it is me. And there are people who move to Orlando who don't have an equity contract offer in hand. They just get in that environment and start auditioning and trying to train in his subs. And hopefully they can like over time earn that. You already had that. And they know that there are plenty of people in that town who will take a 40-hour contract no, like today, no yeah. within the hour, they could make that call. With comparable talent. Oh, like, yeah. Like there is, I think what I really loved about that also is like, the, you may be talented. That's great. So are the next 30 people behind you. And that's, a, yeah, that's a real eye opener that I think a lot of people don't get until they leave college. I struggled a lot in, in high school and in college um, because I was rarely cast in things. In, in mm-hmm. high school more so I was cast. And then in college, I was rarely cast. And so it forced me to deal with the constant rejection early, <laughs> like really early. Ugh. Like I didn't get my BFA. Like I wasn't cast in most things, especially main stages. And what did What did you major in then? It was theater. Okay. It was major in theater, minor in art. It's cool. Want to talk about art history? We sure can. God, I would love to. You should. If, if someone likes to talk about uh, art history, especially um, abstract expressionism, all day long. All day long. Anyway. Anyway. That was where we're at. Um, but, um, <laughs> I was, uh, I, I had to realize pretty early on that I'm like, okay, this is harder for me than other people. I am failing at this more than other people, but I c- could not do, I did not want to do anything else. I did not want to try anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did try other things obviously, but, um, and that was, I'm very grateful for that experience. It sucked at the time. If you call my mother and ask how many times I called her weeping over the show I didn't get. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it was ultimately, do you want to do this or don't you? And are you willing to nut up and get it done? Even though it's going to be painful and challenging and no one's going to like you and everything is scary, but do it anyway. Long tangent. Sorry. Yep. We're back. Yeah. Blah. <laughs> We're back at Disney. So when did you audition? Did you did you get into Turtle Talk your second audition? Or? I I guess so. Yeah. So I um did not go well for that first one. Yeah, right. Sounds, Pretty I'm crushed. Sorry. sorry, doll baby. Yeah. And then uh drove back to Naples, Florida. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is sad. This costs money. Nothing happened. It's fine. It's totally fine. You are allowed to be disappointed. You are. You really are. Then I ended up going to UCF in Orlando uh, and got a music degree. But while I was doing that, I started taking classes and then became an ensemble member at the place called SAC Comedy Lab. Yay, SAC. I didn't know you started there first. Oh, yeah. So I went through like day one, level one class to about as high as you're going to go as like an artistic member of the company. In about four years, and then played there mm-hmm. for years with you. And SAC is an improv uh, comedy, uh, not co- company, school, club, what have you? Both, yeah. yeah. Typically they do, uh, their mainstay shows are like short form stuff, but they also have some strong long form elements mm-hmm. there too. Uh, and they do all kinds of crazy, fun, wonderful things yeah. now, especially. Wayne Brady is often lauded as they're like the most successful yeah. um, alumni, alumni to date. So I was doing that, and then in 2005, um, the guy who was running SAC Comedy Lab, Dave Russell, he was also the uh, show director for Turtle Talk at at Epcot. Oh, 
And I, he asked me one time, just like at, he's like, Hey, you should, would you want to do this? You should audition. So he got me an invite to the callback. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, which is a huge leg up. That is a huge, huge leg up. Uh, everybody, uh, you still got to be good. You still have to be good, and you you obviously had to uh, illustrate a skill that was the director believed that you were worth seeing more closely. Oh yeah. But to any given audition, especially if it was a music audition, especially if it was a comedic audition, um, I guess that's just because those are the only ones I went to. I'm sure all the auditions were this way, but the line out the door. Hundreds of people. Hundreds. Hundreds hundreds of people. And that's just for your regular audition before callback. So being offered a callback without having to do, because we all know that doing the audition is already scary enough, waiting four and a half hours with your nerves stretched tight, like, is not a good feeling. Mm -hmm. So, like, to have that just little bit of relief and leg up, God, that feels good. Feels real good. So I I knew I was going to get that callback and I knew like, okay, I know what the show is. I know the character that I have to imitate. So um, I got my hands on like the audio and the video of the mm-hmm. very brief amount of time that crushes in finding Nemo. And I remember like recording that audio and then with a microphone and headphones recording myself doing it over and over and over again. So that when I, Went into the audition. Oh, dudes. I was pretty on point with the voice. Uh, and I felt like I really, really did well in the mm-hmm. audition. And then they gave me the job. I was the youngest person in the cast for a long time. Because I got it when I was like 22. Oh, baby. Who's yeah, your little guy? 23, maybe. And uh, a lot of the other dudes there. That's a primo job. It's that one it's so sweet it's so good it's the it's the, honestly i tell people all the time that's the best day job i ever had yeah best day job i ever had because you're playing a video game and making kids laugh yep the total amount of time you're actually doing your job is 84 minutes in a day <laughs> but you get paid for eight hours and you're there for five. Most of the time you're on break and the break room is dope. dope. It's great. <laughs> TVs. I had a, I brought a piano into the break room one time, like a, <laughs> like the keyboard that I bought. A baby grand. Yeah. Uh, and there's like bearskin rugs, you guys. Oh, of course. There's a fireplace. There's a it's, charcuterie plate every hour. They actually do have like a little kitchenette. Actually, they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's they, pretty they don't great. Br- don't give you food. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it's rad. So... They don't give that position to people who are going to like they know that it's pretty cherry. Mm -hmm. So they give it to people they can trust. And uh, I got that gig in 2005. That was also the same year I got trained in as an actor at Universal for the first time, too. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good year. And then I worked both of those jobs back and forth through college, plus doing stuff at SAC until 2007 is when I graduated. And then you and I started working at the show that you got hired for in 2007, that fall. You're really good at dates. I'm you know, very impressed I with just, your, your brain tracking all these dates. I just remember certain like real big signposts about mm-hmm. time of year and, and stuff. Like my first solo show that, that changed my life, I remember very clearly when that happened. And it's just easy to... Oh, and then that means that this happened then. And I remember you talking about that show in the break room. Oh, yeah. Of Slapstick. Yeah, that was the show um, that 
that I was cast in. Oh, Lordy Lou, this was a le- life lesson. So how can we... Yeah, let's get into let's, this. Let's I know where in, you're going. Let's get into this. Well, real quick, when I auditioned in Chicago, they were auditioning for... Uh, it was for Comedy Warehouse. And so I got called back for that. And But then they called me back for this other thing, Slapstick. Um, okay, cool. It's uh, it, I had no idea what it was, but it was supposedly mm-hmm. improvised. It was an yeah. improvised show. And so I get hired, I go down, I'm excited, I'm sitting, we're sitting around the circle doing day one rehearsal. Hi there, everybody, let's get started with the director. It's no longer an improv show, it's a game show. And you and, what, like, six other people? Yeah, uh, yeah, there was, I think, a five, six of us total, or eight of us total, um, and... Several of which were hired from other, other markets and paid to move, move. to Orlando. Yep. paid to move to Orlando. Uh, like, Jessica came from California. Uh-huh. Um, I came from Chicago. I think almost everybody else was relatively local. I think Travis came down later. He was from New York. I, right. um, I think he may have been in town already. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, so I'm like, can you... I'm like, can we, can you do that? Can you just make a show that I thought was supposed to be improvised and make it not the same thing anymore? And promised my life to for at least a a year. year. (laughs) And turns out, yeah, they can. Oh, they sure can. They really can. And it was, um, so the show was supposed to be an educational game show about Velcro brand hook and loop fasteners. Who was the sponsor? Velcro. Cheerios. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah, it was Velcro. Velcro brand. Uh, hook, hook and loop, loop fastener. fasteners. And that's one of the things we learned in training for this show. Oh, yeah. Was it was never to be called Velcro. Never. Ever. Ever under penalty of death. You would be marched into the fire barge and set alight if you just referred to it as yeah. Velcro. It, it had to be Velcro brand hook and loop fastener. Mm-hmm. It was a part of their new uh, Velcro ad campaign. Because the patent, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the patent on Velcro hook and loop fastener had just lapsed. So yes. other companies like 3M mm-hmm. were, as they their words, quote, eating their lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so they I wanted. That. You don't? I remember that. I, remember, I mean, we were trained in at different times. That yeah. was the first training okay. after the initial group oh, after was the trained. the initial in. trained in. Okay. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> So they're like, yeah, we, we need to really get the word out about uh, Velcro brand hook and loop fastener, not these other brands. Um, so we're going to pay a lot of money for a show at a pavilion at Epcot. Yeah. And they did. They paid a lot of money for it. They paid f- many full-time actors. Oh, yeah, for three years. We were contracted for – the show was contracted for three years. Oh, yeah. Um, we as actors, we weren't only contracted for one year at a time with hopefully a renewal. Uh, but yeah, they were in it whole hog for three. It ended up being about three and a half because yep. this was a funny part of getting hired also. Oh, did I can I talk about how I got high on the phone, the phone conversation I had? Oh, please. Um, so I was in Chicago and uh, I, my eyesight's pretty bad and I couldn't find my glasses and the phone was ringing and I'm like, wow, you know, flip over, open my pink razor phone. Um 
guys remember those and uh so i i'm listening and i'm freaking out i'm so excited and i can't find my glasses I'm, and i want to write stuff down and i'm uh, excited and just freaking out because i never expected that to happen i mean i felt like the audition was good i felt like the callback was good i felt like i connected with them but you never you, you never know. know you never know you never know you usually audition about 700 times and get cast like twice mm-hmm. so um so i so I hung up. I think I wrote down some things, eventually found my glasses. And I'm like, did I? I genuinely thought maybe I hallucinated it because I, I'm like, I didn't write down a phone number or contact oh, person. No. And Were I, they like, we'll call you again now that you've yeah, accepted? And... Yeah. Like, we'll be in touch. We'll send you the contract. We'll send you all the information that you need for your da 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 And But of course, I don't have that information. And I call, yeah. try calling them back. It's just like the Disney line to, to nobody in particular. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, huh. I want to tell everybody, but uh, was it real? Was it real? Was it real? Like I, I was so excited. I, <laughs> I was not a hundred percent sure that it was real. Turns out it was real. It was real. So then I went. What if? What? Okay. What if though? <laughs> tomorrow, when you woke up, you woke up back in your Chicago apartment. What? Oh, thank God, I'm 25 again. <laughs> <laughs> well, this podcast got. What would you do differently? <laughs> We're taking a turn. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wake up. I'm in Chicago. Oh, and Luca's just a baby still. No. You know what? I'm all right if we go back. <laughs> if I wake pre-husband, up. Pre-husband. Pre-Disney. Oh, I still want to find Patrick. All right. Otherwise, everything else. No, I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> beyond thrilled with the trajectory my life has taken so far. Um, I thought that was a funny story. I was pretty sure I was just hallucinating my good news. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. why? Why me? Knowing that I was number. I think I even had. I kept my number. It was like number. Oh, yeah. It was like number four hundred something. Uh-huh. So like, what are the odds? You know. Right. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it was a very. My dad was so proud. So proud. I mean, everyone was excited. <laughs> Daddy. No, <I'm> <laughs> and that takes a different turn entirely. So when you were working there, how many roles did you get trained into? Because you got hired for that full time. Yeah, job. I got hired for that full time job. Um, at. Oh, I never went into the other oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, so da, 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 da. And they're like, oh, we either need you to move in October, which was about two weeks away, or we need to move you in February. I'm like, cool. Those are two very different times of year. Could you let me know soon? Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out they wanted it on the soon side. So it was October. Dang. And we were we, we were in rehearsal for that show for six months. 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 We did twenty, at least twenty five revisions of the script, and uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk about all of the characters that we've played in a moment. Um, but we did, uh, yeah. So the slapstick thing, we did all those shows, um, and they were constantly being tweaked because we weren't just working with Disney and Imagineers; mm-hmm. we were also working with the vendor. We're working with Velcro brand hook and loop fasteners, so we're dealing with Velcro people. And what they want for the games, because we did games where we showed how the hook and loop worked and how it's useful in your life. And don't forget, it's called Velcro brand hook and loop fasteners. And it's like that was a really long process. Once it got up and running, it was it was never changed again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it never changed. It never changed again. Even though we got like different directors, and and they're like one of the guys like big revolutionary change for the show was. We're going to really explore changes in characters. So. I'm remembering now. Here's what I got. And he takes out a plastic bag and he dumps it out. And it's just different frames for glasses. Oh, my 
They don't even have glass in them. Nope. They're just frames. So we were, he was going to ride in like the savior and, uh, and, and it was a smart and talented dude. It, yes. Yeah. But the, con- the corporate constraints around the show were so tight because of the sponsorship. He's yeah. like, this is, this is what we are doing. So here are your glasses. All right. Well, I have made my money and, <laughs> and I can get ahead out. Bye bye. What he did do was finesse the status a little bit more, which um, yes. because there were two roles, there was a host and co-host and it was kind of fun. We started amping up that a little bit more to make it a little more playful between the host and co-host and like, um, you know, having like a higher status and a lower status and like the fun that can come from that and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So uh, and the glasses uh, it's so weird. I somehow ended up with a pair of those, and I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how it happened after we. Crazy. Went, yeah, I guess they just fell into my bag before I left. And... I was like, that was shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the other thing about. So that particular show, they were like, "Okay, we got to find you a costume." Now, normally, if you're like getting a costume and you're and you're trying to be like a prince or whatever mm-hmm. the wardrobe department has a thing ready for you and you kind of need to be the right size or whatever yeah this was a very different angle you got to go to a mall and yes. the wardrobe uh personnel that was with you just put on clothes put you put you in clothes you did a little fashion walk for them and then they took a corporate Disney credit card and just bought you whatever you wanted stuff. from Express or whatever. Yep. And that's what it was. So I got like way nicer clothes for that show than anything I owned. Actually, working at Disney has trained me for this podcast where uh, everything has to be okay for everybody constantly. Oh, buddy. So there is no risk taking. Uh, which which does make comedy occasionally more challenging because there are some things that you'd love to say or jokes you'd like to make. But usually you – well, actually, not usually. You never actually ever have to dig into mean or gross. You or, actually don't. Yeah. you and that, And I think that was one of the things that I learned and appreciated throughout mm-hmm. – because I was in Chicago, everything was edgy, edgy and gross, and we actually... isn't religion stupid, <laughs> right? You were there <laughs> <laughs> briefly. Um, my uh, we actually did a show called I'm still really proud of it, The Windy City, a fart joke. I stand by it. That was the great. name of the show. That was the I, whole show. That was it. Was just a bunch of sketches. It was really funny. It was great. All fart based. Oh no! It was just missed the, my opportunity. The, <laughs> I'm sh- all fart based. All right, I'm going back. I'm going back to 2005. We're trying this again. Yep, you'll wake up in your apartment tomorrow. What? (laughs) Luca will be a little baby. She's a baby again. And you'll stalk your future husband, who will be very confused. Yeah. Who is this lady? Oh, Uh, gosh, I should go to. Your dream come true. (laughs) Just trust me. (laughs) Oh, listen to my voice. Isn't it soothing? (laughs) Oh, gracious. You're right, though. Like, working for Disney and having a very. Very well defined Mm -hmm. standard of what is acceptable in terms of topic for comedy. It it trains you that environment and SAC also did, too. The SAC was a bit edgier, but by no means as edgy as like a normal comedy environment. Uh, It trains you to entertain the aggregate 
like, okay, there are people from all over the country, all over the, the world, world, and all kinds of political persuasions. Like, if you made a political joke in anywhere on property at Disney as a comedian, with maybe the exception of Comedy Warehouse, maybe, mm-hmm. and it, then it would be really about, like, the granular detail of what you said. Yeah. It was a huge, that was a huge no-no, Mm-mm. huge no-no. Mm-mm. And here's the thing. That education about Disney's brand, years later, when I started doing my own one-man shows, sure. I could be edgier, but that still, that sense and desire to include everybody, no and matter not where alienate you- alienate anybody. Exactly. That has informed my choices and has really helped- my success in my career, honestly. And then when I worked for Disney Cruise Line, you know, they say very specifically, like, this is our brand, mm-hmm. no political. And I was like, yeah, yeah, fine, totally. 100%. Got you, boo. And they bring talented people on for tryouts sometimes, and they're talented, but it's not the right brand. Yeah. Whereas what I had to offer really jived just because, yes, specifically Disney, but also uh, you're there to entertain everybody. And that's, and that's what it is. It's not, um, oh God. So I actually, uh, worked at Magic Kingdom as well. So that I I eventually trained in at Magic Kingdom, uh, at the Monster's Laugh floor and was told constantly, this is Magic Kingdom. This is an Epcot. You can't say that here. Oh God. As if, as if Epcot (laughs) were, were like the red light Amsterdam district of, you know, like, like you can't. They have beer there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And they though. don't have beer at Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Um. I mean, you can technically. I just know. I know people are like, you can get wine at Be Our Guest. You can get wine and beer at Be Our Guest. The the one with the right. Anyway, doesn't matter. Moving on. The point is, like, that's Waltz Park. <laughs> yeah, that's Waltz Park. That is for babies. That is for little ch- innocent children with their giant eyes and looking at the at the um fireworks so like some jokes that um uh dear friend uh jay becker and i we were training in and we would make again these are not dicey jokes and but but it'd be um they'd be like "Mm, you can't can't do that one that one just it doesn't rub the right way here so like all right all right so when i would go back over to epcot for like world showcase players or something i was like i'm like oh my god i can do whatever i want you guys are crazy i can make a drinking joke i can push those lines and i push those lines again i cannot overstate how delicate and gentle and non-gross everything is (laughs) everything is celebratory In all of my theme park experience, the only time where they were like, cut loose, dude. (laughs) When were you told to cut loose? When I was the Grinch. (gasps) That is universal. That is universal. It's not Disney. Mm -hmm. Like you're in a foam latex green. It's face prison. Everybody, uh, Google, Google image search that. Yeah. Google image search. What? what Grinch miss. Grinch miss. Yeah. Christmas with a Grinch. And uh, they they have the Grinch like it's no joke. It is the full Jim Carrey, and he's gr- it looks great. And you, it's the one time where like you can't you can't re- you can't be- swear at people. No, of course. I would do a bit if people were bald. I would put my big hairy hand on top of his head and go, "Oh, he's twenty years younger." Like that's pretty cute. It's that's fun. Funny. Uh, and then again, we're reading the audience from a mile away and that brings you know us what you can do to a topic I really want to cover, which is 
when you do a show mm-hmm. that is interactive with an audience yep a hundred times you feel pretty strong in it you're like okay i got it now when you do it several thousand times and i'm not exaggerating oh yeah tens of thousands of times thousands of times mm-hmm. you become extremely adept at reading every nuance of that crowd yeah and you realize that there's a massive education to be had when you do the same material Mm -hmm. over and over and over again because through repetition you realize the finer uh minute differences in this particular crowd or this crowd you'll you'll learn real quickly what it's like to play for a crowd of eight people Mm -hmm. who are loving it Mm-hmm. And you're having a blast too, even though there's only eight people. Sure. And you'll also learn how it's how that is so different than a hundred people who are just there for air conditioning. They want air conditioning. They want you to shut up. Oh, and... they don't care, <laughs> or they don't even speak the language you're speaking. Yeah, they're just the the yeah. The... You have zero control. Like if you go to a regular show, if you're performing a regular show, people buy a ticket. They want to see that show, and they're actively interested in that show. At Disney, there's a thousand things for them to do. Everywhere. And if there is a family of five sitting there, I can guarantee two of them don't want to be there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They want to be on Space Mountain again or whatever. So, like, you really learn your vibes. You learn your people. You learn your energies. You learn learn what joke is going to land with this person and which one is not. You will also mess that up. You will. (laughs) You will. Oh, we got some stories. Oh, God. Yep. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll g- sure. I, I, I've, uh, I asked Facebook to ask me some questions. Oh, my God. It's already been 53 minutes. This is going to be, guys, it's probably going to be like an eight-hour episode. Just kidding, Chase. I won't keep you here forever. I'll do it. Um, ooh, ooh. Yep, I have. We'll go through those in a moment. All right. Um, uh, yeah, the education, It. I think what it gave me is a sense of nuance and like being able to stand in front of an audience and very quickly, very very quickly understand their energy, their vibe, and not just what material is going to work, but how How? to deliver it. You're stitching the show to them. It's like you're uh, a seamstress uh, or a a clothing designer, and they've come to you and they're like, I need clothes. And and you might have an idea of like the direction you want to go, as the creative person, but you have to w- listen to them. You got to put the tape measure on your subject and design the garment to their body. And as a performer, if if someone, for instance, right, if you have a crowd that's a little smaller and a little quieter and a little hesitant, driving that room with hard energy might not really be your best choice. Yeah. You might actually need to play it a little cool and just have them sort of come to you as if they were a skittish creature in the mm-hmm. woods. Yeah, a little baby deer. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Like, we're being a little jokey, but like, but no, it's really. true. People genuinely feel anxious when they're approached in these performances. They're like, I don't want to perform. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to feel stupid. And so it's like, really, mm-hmm. like, how do I encourage you and invite you to know that you're going to be taken care of? You can have a great time. You can stand in front of a crowd of people and like have a gut instinct about how average their intelligence is actually no i mean it i i mean it i mean it because because 
if, if it's a smaller crowd uh-huh. who's a little like cooler in their energy, mm-hmm. but you can feel that they're like pretty savvy present. and smart and present with you mm-hmm. and you go at them with hard energy, they'll pull back. They'll be turned off by it. Yeah. It'll be too aggressive. But if, if they're like small and, and a little quieter or cooler in their energy, but you can tell they're like a little scattered and that's what's causing mm-hmm. the cool energy, then actually giving more gain to your, hi, everybody, that can actually make it in like being able to have the education of thousands of performances where you are standing in front of anywhere between like five and 180 Mm-hmm. Depending on the show, maybe 200. Uh, think, not at Slapstick, but at yeah. like other crowds. But yeah, like I think, I can't remember how many fit in um, Monsters. Either 200 or 400. I don't I remember which. I feel like which. that was a 400. That's a big that room. That was a big room. And here's the funny thing about it. I've, I, learned, I bet you found this to be true at Monsters. The moment you put on the headphones, we're getting mm-hmm. a little behind the scenes here. So the the crowd interacts with a screen, the actor puppeteers... Uh, character that's on the screen, but you can hear everything in the room through your headphones mm-hmm. as the actor. The moment you put on the headphones, you instantly can hear their energy. Yeah. It's extremely kinetic. And you realize real quickly what their vibe is going to be. Yeah. And you always have like a tester joke, one or two. Stand up exactly. does this as well. Oh, yeah. You, you, it's just a warm up. It's just a, like a, here, we're going to do, I mean, World Showcase did it. Every, mm-hmm. every stage does it, has mm-hmm. a, like a, how we how we feeling? What's going on? What's going on? Where, who am I working with? How am I working with them? All right. How, what do we do next to yeah. make sure this works? And that's a performance education you will never get in school. Yeah. You'll never get it in a class or a workshop. It is only earned with stage time, with on your feet experience. Your face to the people. <laughs> um, it also... Uh, I, I realize we're going pretty deep into like performance life in particular, uh, but I, I'm, we've all had bad days and I remember crying. So I was going through something. I don't remember what exactly I was crying so hard. I cried out a contact oh my God. On, on a, on the, on a bathroom floor. And then a toad ate it. And then a toad <laughs> ate it and then turned into Patrick and it was amazing. No. Um, so <laughs> okay. I, I put in, I, I rinsed off the contact and gave myself some horrible eyeball disease probably. And I was again, splotchy, red faced, and I had to be a lovely, charming woman uh-huh. who had to pull a sword from the stone. And no one could know. No one could know what was happening because oh, it, yeah. that's like I had to compartmentalize that. And in one way, of course, like it's important to be able to compartmentalize so you can function as a human being and not feel everything all the time and constantly drag yourself over the coals. But at the same time, um, I was also like, wow, am I getting multiple personalities? Because like, it could be like a switch for me. Like, oh, I need to do this now. I don't get to, I don't have time to worry oh, about yeah. that part of my brain oh, yeah. or whatever that feeling and, is. And if you're like going through some tough shit in your life, mm-hmm. actually having that onstage switch is a little bit of a godsend. Yeah. Any fun or noteworthy mentions to, uh, to guest experiences on your end? I, so here's the, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I really got out of uh, working there is interacting with people who uh, had various uh, disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're an entertainer at Disney, you're going to encounter people 
who are in wheelchairs, who have all, all kinds of physical challenges in their lives. And I didn't, as a kid or as a person like growing up or whatever, interact with people, many people with those challenges. And working at Disney and performing for those people and interacting with those people showed me a joint humanity uh, and, and to see them as people, mm-hmm. I think, more than I would have without it. For instance, um, one time I was doing Turtle Talk and there was uh, a child in a wheelchair uh, and he, he, it was clear that he was... Uh, dealing with a lot of complications mm-hmm. physically. But you could see that like he was still interacting with Crush and like yelling with all the other kids. And like he was present and mm-hmm. and willing to interact and play. And I remember Crush going to him and talking to him. I still remember his name. His name was Cortland. And he just had the brightest spirit in the world just so happy to talk to crush and i immediately imagine how mind-blowing that is you're talking to crush you're talking to crush and there is no bones but you're talking to crush yeah and this little kid who is facing a series of struggles i will most likely never know a tenth of in my life on my hardest day but he was so filled with light and joy and in that moment uh, I know it sounds cheesy or whatever, like he really taught me a lesson, but he did mm-hmm. like interacting with him. I think I was like, honestly, I think a month or two before that I'd gotten broken into twice in the same weekend. Oh shit. And like most of everything I ever owned in the world was stolen from me, uh, that I cared about. And it was, a, I was going through a real tough time with relationships and I was drinking and smoking a lot of weed and I was medicating myself. And I know it sounds crazy, but this one brief interaction with this child instantly made me cry. And it made me grateful for the miracle of life. Yeah. That's beautiful. It really did. That is, um, I mean, those those special interactions, because my friend Elizabeth asks, um, do you have any most memorable interactions with a with a guest? I'd say that's way up there. And I'd say another one that I had with the Grinch where a little girl who was from Ohio mm-hmm. came to see the Grinch and give him a present. Oh, oh, my God. It was a little Snoopy doll. I still have it. Oh, I still have it. Like I literally, she just was so nice to me as the Grinch. Mm -hmm. It was literally the movie where a little child warmed the Grinch's heart. And I was in a bad mood that day because I had worked like the holidays at the parks are crazy. Stop. So the month of December, it's very easy to work like 28 days in a row. I think I worked 28 days that year. Oh, in the month of December. For sure. And pulling doubles Mm -hmm. between parks and stuff yeah you open one park and you close another it was on new year's day in like 2006 maybe (coughs) and uh i i didn't get as much sleep i lived far from the park so i ended up sleeping at universal in a green room that night I, on a couch i was miserable oh that's so many actor butts have been on and and oh yeah and you're just exhausted and you're probably battling a cold at this point 
Oh, you for sure don't have a voice anymore. No. No, no, no. The voice is gone. And this little girl gave me a a present and I literally started tearing up and it made my contacts, the Grinch contacts, like swim around. I had to like, no, be mean. Just like, (laughs) so I could see her. Yeah. Uh, And you don't cry out of contact. It unnerves people. Just as an FYI. Yeah, and then it falls into a toad's (laughs) mouth and then you get married. Yay! Call back. (laughs) Uh, That's another huge, huge memorable moment. That's for beautiful. sure i'm i love that little girl so much she's like i'm worried about this grinch he has so much anger in his heart maybe no one's been nice to him and so that's all i need to do is yeah. be nice to him and it was so i want to i'm literally about to cry sweet and genuine <laughs> i still have that little snoopy doll that makes me happy Ugh. um for my for myself gosh i'm trying to think um we always tried to use, uh, for one of the shows I did, ZD Sisters, uh, at, this is again in Epcot, um, uh, there would be like a fashion part where mm-hmm. we would put a skirt on somebody and like, oh, you're so beautiful and like walk the, walk, walk the runway. Um, and I'm a plus size girl, always have been. And so I I almost always go for, for selecting guests, the outliers. Like if there was a, for ZD Sisters, it would be, you know, somebody who you would not deem traditionally model worthy mm-hmm. and i'm like nope you're you're my angel you're you're who i want you're beautiful you're perfect i love you i i cannot do this without your help because you are exactly what i'm looking for um and like that really that that you see like the confidence and like the you know what to hell with it yeah i am just gonna have fun and do this thing um and for when I got to work with uh, kids more so, because Epcot, you are dealing with more adults, especially mm-hmm. with the uh, World Showcase shows. World Showcase is like each, there are several pavilions for different countries, mm-hmm. for those who don't know. Um, and so that's that's where they drink around the world and you learn about the countries and you, there's really great food. Um, but then for like monsters, because uh, uh, Marty Wazowski, who is Mike Wazowski's nephew, mm-hmm. gets to talk to, tell jokes and talk to kids. And again, it's like, hey, I really need a comedy partner. So um, I would, or Marty, I don't know what the rules are anymore. Anyway, Marty would always look for a kid who was genuinely interested in in participating because, you know, Marty would ask, who wants to tell a joke with me? You know, who wants to tell a joke? If that kid was chubby, wearing glasses, wearing clothes that didn't fit her because no one knows how to dress a plus-sized eight-year-old. Like, (laughs) I realize it's a lot of my own baggage. Um, But, you know, I would would interact with that kid, again, assuming they wanted to. I wouldn't just pick a kid who just, like, matches what I think. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you need attention. No, Mm -hmm. someone who actively wants to be in it. Um, And one time I was leaving... I was leaving and they, she was calling her, her grandma and she's like, I got to talk to Marty Wazowski and I told a joke and everyone laughed and I, and I was like, because you are talented and you are a beautiful kid and you're sweet and I'm so glad I talked to you. So like those little moments of the best, because I think we all need moments of people believing in us and liking us mm-hmm. and and just just enough to get you to engage and maybe shake it shake off your crap and just have a nice moment together. Yeah. yeah, totally. And choosing a kid that's super into it, I think it's nice to have a comedic experience, reward enthusiasm. 
mm-hmm. rather than it's one of my least favorite things. I think it's a little bit less so now, but it's it felt like comedy maybe still is, but at least certainly was going through a real snark heavy phase. Yep. Where it's like, I will never be actually honest and emotionally vulnerable about, I'm just going to just shit on things. And being mean equals funny. And like, yep. sometimes it does. Sure. But it doesn't need need to be that. You can actually be like very funny and genuinely enthusiastic about something without selling it out. Yep. Kenneth Parcell on 30 Rock. Beautiful example. Genuine, excited. Sweet, positive, hilarious, and broken and weird. Oh, God, I love broken and weird. It's my mm-hmm. favorite. Mm-hmm. Let's go through some of these questions. Let's All right. do it. So Janine asks, uh, do you have to love Disney to work there? Are there people working there who are just casually, or people who are there who are just Quote. casually seeing Disney? What's Quote, funny is there's literally a, perf- like, a, you can have a casual status. <laughs> I was casual. Yeah. yeah. CT status. Where you don't have a contract, but you are trained into certain roles. Yeah. So if someone needs to get filled in for a vacation or whatever, it happens yep. all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can actually do what's called super sub. So if you train into like, you know, I was four, at, five, six I roles. I was at seven shows at one point. Seven shows. I was, I was working, even though I was technically a casual temporary, I was working five to six days a week and regularly. here's the thing. You don't get benefits. Nope. But you... Never get in a rut. That's that. Honestly, I thank God by this point, Patrick and I were married and he had benefits. Mm-hmm. So I could afford to um, not have a full time position with Disney or Universal. Because mm-hmm. at one point I was trained in at two shows at Universal, five shows at that point, a couple things at close. I was down to five shows at Disney. I could do I could work every single day and never do the same show twice. And it was I mean, twice in a row. Like I would obviously do, guys, we did between eight shows a day, seven shows a day, five shows a day, depending on which show you were doing um, per per shift. And that was lovely. Great for mental flexibility. Like if I'm coming out as Lonnie at Disaster. Fun show. Fun show. Great show. 100% different than Royal Majesty Makers at Magic Kingdom. So like it was I, that, that honestly, if I'm being honest, that's what I miss the most about being in Florida is having the versatility mm-hmm. and having the variety and just the constant work. Guys, I love work. I love working more than anything. Here's another thing <laughs> that's great about those environments. Uh, the work you're doing for your craft is mostly your craft. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. when you leave an environment like that, most of the work that I do for my current performing, like 90% of it is not the performing. Yep. It's managing, it's scheduling, it's budgeting, it's yeah, it's passports, it's because uh, Chase travels out of the country a lot for work. Tons. And so, no, you you when you finally do all that work, you do the 90% and then you get to do that 10% of show. And then you're like, yeah. I'm tired. I don't want to perform. <laughs> Um, oh, but to answer Janine's question, uh, absolutely not. Uh, there are plenty of people who do, like we mentioned before, love mm-hmm. Disney and are mm-hmm. genuinely excited to be there. There was a sweet uh, retired couple who came in just to work part time. They got an RV and live nearby just so they can get free tickets for their kids yeah. and grandkids. Um, but then there are people like me and I think Chase as well, where we're, we're fond of Disney. Yeah. But by no means are we Disney files. I don't have a tattoo no. of it. I, no. I think the movies and everything I'm. They're like gold standards of quality yeah, for great. what they are. Absolutely. 
Uh, but like, do I have a character that's a personal totem that I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so Donald. No. Oh, well, I am. I am. Oh God, I love Ursula. Can I tell you real quick why I love Ursula Lay so much? Lay it on me. Lay it on me, sister. Besides, I love, obviously, The Little Mermaid's the best I love movie. how your body language completely shifted. Because I'm like, I'm going to Body you. language. <laughs> yeah. Listen, and again, this goes back to um, coming to terms and being at peace with the body that you reside in. Um, Ursula can look like anything she wants. She's a witch. She can enchant herself to oh, be whatever yeah. she wants in a snap of a finger. She was a svelte, lovely, black-haired, gorgeous vixen. But you know who she chooses to be all the time? Is a big, fleshy, boobalicious, purple octopus. Yeah. And that's who she wants to be because that's who she is. sassy drag queen. And Well, it was was designed after Divine. Divine. And that just makes me endlessly happy. And I don't think I realized that until much later in my life, of course. I wasn't like seven going... She's posi- body positivity. <laughs> like anyway, so everybody, that's how I feel about Ursula. Mm-hmm. More questions. Um. Oh, Janine also asked: Do children realize that you're actors, and at what age do they realize that? Age stuff. I have no idea. It depends on your role. Teens. It does. It does depend on your role. Like, as well, do they realize we're actors at slapstick? Yeah, probably. 100%. Probably. Yeah. Do they? Do they realize that? crush is an actor i hope no and that's the goal yeah yeah it really depends it depends on how well crafted the technical elements of the illusion are Mm -hmm. um it just depends on the age and the show i think it does and i imagine especially uh face actors and um characters have a more would know that answer better Mm. because like your cinderella's and your aladdin's and your eeyore's or whatever you know little kids are uh oh my god you're you're aladdin you're aladdin so like when does that switch and be like you're not really aladdin i bet i'm you not it's i'm not the sure same as santa claus probably right right ish like where kids are like there's but you're at every mall like oh whatever that age is. i was that kid that was i'm so sorry jason who was the bear at, at nittany mall who i <laughs> i harassed mercilessly one christmas because i was a smart ass who'm like i have your number i know this is bull i'm so sorry oh this is a great question from alex um when performing the same show over and over did you ever have trouble getting yourself re-psyched up to interact with each new audience or did the improvised elements of the experience keep it sufficiently fresh uh both I, you know what, when you do a show thousands of times, I, uh, have not been married. Uh, I, I've been in long-term relationships. I feel like it's kind of like being married or in a long-term relationship where there's waves of, of periods where you're like, oh, jazzed about this and Mm -hmm. other areas where you're not against it, but you find yourself in like a familiar pattern or autopilot. Yeah. Everyone at the parks, if you're a performer, you talk about, uh, oh, yeah, autopilot. And there you will have shows Oh, where you won't even remember the show. Mm-hmm. You'll just be like, oh, well, that 20 minutes is over. And you were totally somewhere else mentally. And the audience still got a good experience because yeah. you've just done it so much. Yeah. Um, I think it I think it depends on the show. Yeah. Like when I worked at Poseidon's Fury at Universal. The whole show is one actor in the audience, but it's performed to a track 
and there is no room for error. Ooh. There's no room for interpretation, really. Mm-hmm. And if there is, it's very minimal. It's the same. There is no whole, and it's a real mind prison. But if you're doing a show like a game show like we did, where there could be elements of flexibility. flexibility. My favorite flexibility was in uh, Disaster, actually. Yeah. The first room, it's no longer there. It's sad because it was a really fun experience. Um, I was a part of like the first 10 people to be nice. trained as the actors. And like, um, uh, one of the things that we like did all the time was a thing I improvised in like the first week or whatever. I don't even remember now, but, um, uh, that level of interaction where you just pose a semi open question to an audience member and you and you can literally just get whatever response back. Yeah, that's always exciting. Yeah, no matter how many times you do it, the audience still might surprise you. And what you learn uh, is like having a response, like knowing your top two or three, like what are they probably going to say to these, and then mm-hmm. having something in your pocket. Or if they don't say those, but it's not giving you the comedic payoff you want, mm-hmm. f- skillfully funneling it into yeah. one of your responses. It's it's like a magician and doing a magic trick, but like forcing the card you want them to choose, kind of. Um, that helps it keep it fresh, I think, for me. Yeah, I mean the improvised moments. Uh, talk, speaking of disaster, that show was high intensity, and it ran on a schedule because there was a ride at the end of it. Oh yeah, and so that show always kept you on your toes because at any point it might stop working, and you have to keep your room full of what a hundred and some people at times you would have to delay there was a series of lights on the wall that you keep an eye on so you're performing doing your jokes doing your spiels and then uh oh the train's not working anymore and you have to keep everybody in there for it could be 30 seconds it could be 10 minutes yeah um and you just have to scramble and really like pull stuff out of nowhere go go into like your handbook of every trick and that you know in order to make sure like you you salvage a really nice experience or at least an adequate experience because mm-hmm. stuff breaks and that's that's nobody's fault um uh but yeah so the improvising definitely helps having great castmates definitely helps but for sure yeah. if if you're work if you have the benefit of working with other people mm-hmm. most of the shows i did at the parks were solo shows so i've rarely had that yeah um but when I got to work with other people, it, it, yeah, that really helps break up the monotony. Yeah. But it's not, again, it's not without challenges mm-hmm. for sure. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, I, a number of my friends have heard me say this during the last few months of Slapstick, um, because I was there from the beginning until the end. Mm-hmm. I would sit back or stand backstage behind a little wing dealy and my forehead would be pressed against the back of the flat buddy we just all put our foreheads on the back of the times. flat oh yeah just and that like oh that's the angry birds theme um oh how did our theme go it oh, it haunts my nightmares at times if we heard it like coming out of an ice cream truck we'd instantly recognize of course. it i can't i couldn't sing it to I, you right I now i can't uh, uh, but yeah so i would be just like if i have to do this show one more time I'm going to die. Uh, but then you just smile and fake it and you're fine. Again, fake it. And then you go home and your ca- paycheck always cashes. It always does. 
Um, next up, we have Kathy. Oh, my Aunt Kathy. Okay. Um, how do you get through an outside performance in full costume and makeup when it's really hot outside and humid without passing out? Swearing backstage. Oh, yeah. Well, ooh, first number one, ladies, get yourself a boob napkin. You get... You get a napkin or a towel under, depending on your situation, under each boob. That helps a little bit uh, for the chafing. Uh, They give us oodles of water and Gatorade. But otherwise, um, it's just we're timed in such a way. So exposure is limited, especially in the the hotter months. It's Um, brutal. But it's brutal. There's no two ways about it. If you, when you lean in for a picture with like a World Showcase player or Ziti's sister, we are drenched in sweat. Oh, yeah. It's like we had just taken a shower and people have like put their hand around my side. I'm like, "Mm -mm, you don't don't want to touch my shoulder. I guarantee it because it's slippery because it has sunblock and eight gallons of sweat in it. I'm very lucky. I did almost nothing outside. I was going to say, you were mostly indoor, dude. <laughs> I The only things I ever did outside, I did one day as an atmosphere Beetlejuice. Oh. And I did- That's full makeup. That's that's a lot of makeup. Worst yeah. day of work at a theme park I ever had was oh, that day. Because it was like in July. Mm-hmm. And when you're Beetlejuice- um, you're wearing combat boots. Mm-hmm. You're on hard cement. Um, there is, there was no shade. There was no shade no. at the time. Uh, you're wearing polyester suit. Three piece, right? Is uh, there a vest? Or there's no? not a vest. Okay. But who cares? Like if it's you're a still brutal. Suit. You're wearing gloves and you have all of this grease paint makeup all over your neck, all God. over your your face and your eyes. You're literally gluing moss to the side of your head. Mm-hmm. Literal moss. <laughs> that's normally for like miniature trains. Oh, yeah. It's just to your neck. And then the worst part of it, though, is the thing that's on top of your head. I think it's different now. But back then, it was a bald cap that was shaped to your head. Okay. But it was made of rubber. And then it was covered with Beetlejuice hair. hair. So all the heat that should be leaving off the top of your head is just getting trapped underneath a thick, hairy, rubber, bald Lid. Cap. Like Lid. You're, you're a pot and the lid's and, on. And I, like, I'm not really a sweaty person, actually. Uh, I, I only sweat, like, if I'm sweating a lot, it's because I'm in an oven. <laughs> Okay. Or in Florida in mm-hmm. the summer. And this, I I have never been more exhausted, ever been more exhausted in my life. The only other thing I ever did outdoors was sometimes I did this thing called Guitar Dan. Oh, yeah. Over at Animal Kingdom where I would like stroll around with a guitar and like make up songs for people. Uh, but that was very rare. And I, that was like, did you get shorts and you had a hat? Yeah, shorts, hat, uh, and that'd still be pretty sweaty. Yeah, little things like that make a huge difference, though. Like if you have just like a little bit of oh, head yeah. relief and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but uh, honestly, you just got to drink a lot of what water. But not and, too much water, because a uh, friend fainted because she had too much water and wasn't oh, really? wasn't providing enough electrolytes instead. Oh, wow. yeah. Yep. She was drinking a ton of water, which was great, but she sweated all out and she yeah fainted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know what though? Some if you're in an actual like character costume, like if you're goofy or whatever, mm. um, 
my brother used to do one of the, he's a tall guy and he did a lot of the bigger costumes at Universal and they would have vests made of ice packs. And, yeah. And they actually tell you like, don't drink dairy because it will curdle in your stomach when you're in that suit. Oh and God. if it's past a certain heat index, like legally they can't have you out on set longer than yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Because you will Dave, get dangerous. heat stroke. You yeah. really will. Yeah. I mean, this is something. So, again, going back to like the people who are there performing for you are giving it all they have and they're really working hard. Like you're hot and sweaty as a guest. Just imagine that this person's already been doing this for three hours. Yeah. And um, so, you know, yeah, have sex it's, with them. Yeah. <laughs> They've earned it. <laughs> Slip them your numbers. Um, all of them. Um, okay, I'm getting a lot of questions that I am not, I don't know the answer to. Okay. Um, well, I answered Christine's already. Did I accidentally swipe any memorabilia on the way out? Uh, uh, yeah, there are a handful of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, had, I mean, again, it was mostly the glasses. Um, what time is the three o'clock parade? Classic. Classic question. That's a, that's a question that's really referencing, like when people are on vacation brain, They'll they'll just go like, where's the Tower of Terror? But they're universal. It's like, oh, that's a that's I, twenty miles away in a different park. That's completely. a different theme park entirely. I I my first time at Universal, someone asked. Uh, uh, she was a merchandise uh, employee. She's like, I was at Universal, and she's like, and this woman was like, where's where's Mickey Mouse? And it was a it was a sweet Japanese couple, oh. um, and the girl was not having. She's like, "That's a different park." Oh no! Like, don't talk about she, that. She was real crabby. I'm like, "Ooh, honey, I know that's a. I'm sure you get that question all the time, and I know it really sucks, but it's not. It, people don't know. People don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's and there's a whole culture, guys. We could I could only have a theme park podcast and never stop talking because yeah. there's so much to it. Um, let's see. How did you manage with the humidity? We kind of Pretty answered that a little that. bit. Um, Linda, did you get to pick your roles? <laughs> oh, did you get to pick your roles or had them assigned Can to you? Can you imagine walking into a Disney audition and just saying like, yeah, I'll have uh, I'll have Turtle Talk. I'll take uh, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. And you know what? Just make me a prince too. Yeah. No. So you audition for, uh, in this case, she's asking like, what if you don't like being Snow White? Um well, each each character has a very specific set of parameters: height, weight, uh, eyeball shape, color. I mean, color. I mean, it is it mm -hmm. is uh, it is not a it is a brutal process without any feeling whatsoever. If you're oh, too yeah. tall, get out. If you're too short, get out. If you you know if your shoe size, well, shoe size should be pretty much okay. Um, so no, you audition for specific roles and you hope that you get them and you usually uh, don't get them, um, yep. <laughs> unless you are lucky enough to get them and then it's great. Uh, we already kind of talked about our happiest memory. Cindy asks, is knowing what's behind the curtain, take the magic away or does it still magical? I think it can even enhance it. I think it enhances the magic. It can. Like when you realize how many people are working very hard. Mm -hmm. To make what's happening like a perfect example is our break room at Epcot was in a tunnel. Yeah. Like yep. some of the parks actually have tunnels and you see like, oh, wow, there's this. I, I, I'm an engineering nerd and I just love knowing how things work. Yeah. Uh, so when you see how it works, 
it makes it cooler. Like Penn and Teller sometimes will say, if we think the audience knowing how the trick works makes the trick cooler, then we tell you how it works. Oh. And I think uh, it's like that. Nice. It, it's kind of like that. Yeah. 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 It's, um. I mean, there are definitely some disenchanting parts for sure um, where you're like, oh, that's not my favorite thing there were a couple questions about the tunnel so we actually can talk about the tunnel okay um yeah dave wants to know about the tunnel um so epcot has like a half moon tunnel it's like a it's not a full circle it mm-hmm. only goes under uh the future not future world um yeah future, future world future world, yeah. future world and uh it's it's pretty handy that's where our that's where we live there's a couple break rooms down there i mean it's honestly it's a, it's an engineering feat because um tunneling in a swamp is real hard as you can imagine yeah and so the epcot one isn't as like famed as the magic kingdom tunnels those tunnels are legit that is an actual catacomb underneath the park it is and it's very clever because while you're there you're never going to see the grease trap or the dumpster or where the costumes come from or where the characters come from you're never Mm going to see any of that Mm -hmm. and you can't have it all backstage like behind walls so it needs to be underneath so that way we can come up at various points and and perform that way or do our various tasks that we need to do yeah um but that being said it's a tunnel in florida and it has a lot to be desired it does it does a fine function humid dripping smell yeah yeah various various shoots of things that are gross sure and break <laughs> yep. so um yeah the tunnels are uh you can actually get a tour of them or used to be i think you can still do a tour of the tunnels the selective tunnels the good tunnels not the oh there's some bummer ones you guys right all right oh my god this is a great question kim mm-hmm when performing in a show, have you ever snuck props onto a stage to get someone to crack up or otherwise throw them off? Have you ever played a great prank on someone during a show? I have oh. one. I have one in the chamber. I feel like I have, though. I, I'm having a hard time. Nothing's coming to me. You go first. You go first. Um, uh, Jay, <laughs> again, my dear friend Jay Becker. And so I was obsessed with Seth MacFarlane. I I was obsessed with um I thought he was the like so funny just like blah, my blah, fiance blah. is oh yeah it's a thing okay well I have since uh, I've since fallen out of great I don't care for his stuff it's a little too crass and he talks about rape way too much oh. and like jokes about violence that I'm just like I'm no longer comfortable with that kind of humor anymore oh well Fair. anyway but at the time loved him so at one point Jay and I had stickers all, I had like pictures all over my wall mm-hmm. or my locker. So for the slapstick show, the co-host would go out in the front and do the pre-show. Like, hi, everybody. Welcome. This is what we're going to do together. It's about a four-minute, five-minute dealy. So I go out. I come back in. Jay is breathing hard. And I'm like, what is happening? Because he has like a weird energy about him. And there are little pictures of Seth MacFarlane all over the place. That's great. He hid them. In various places. And we had props. So we did. So Kim. Yeah. Well spotted. We had props and stuff. And as soon as I would like get out a box of something, there'd be another picture of Seth MacFarlane. Or like it, it was behind. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Luckily, it was a pretty small and intimate show. Uh-huh. So it wasn't like everything's at stake if I laugh. Um, oh, I yeah. just remembered one. Good. 
So that was probably my favorite prank. I've never done anything because I'm too much of a worry, worried nerd. <laughs> uh. Remember Disaster, mm-hmm. Room 2? Okay. Uh, you only really got on the stage through two little stairs, right? Yeah. So for it's hard to describe what this room was. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah. So the audience would come in and just sort of stand in these rows, and they would watch you on stage. The stage was framed uh, with like a proscenium wall, mm-hmm. so they didn't really see you like get on or off the stage on the stairs, and then there was like other props and other set pieces on the stage. But there were times where while you were on the stage, you'd walk behind a set piece or where the audience could not see you. And a couple of times to good friends, I, instead of going up the stairs where the audience would have seen me, I climbed up the back of the stage, hopped over the railing and then just stood in the on stage but behind a set piece where only the Lonnie performing would see me once they came backstage so the audience never saw me but mm-hmm. i would it just to them and it, particularly if you're an autopilot then all of a sudden someone is just <gasps> teleported in front of you yes and i do it at a time where they've already been backstage mm-hmm. and then they go on stage and then they come back oh my again. god so you hadn't been there before no so i did that <laughs> I remember doing that to Lauren. Excellent choice. A lovely human being. And Kim knows Lauren. Oh, yay. Yeah. Look at that full it's circle. It's the smallest world it is. ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite one. I did it to that's, a couple people. That's good. We could talk about this. So long. Easily for another three days. Oh, easily. Nonstop? Easily. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um... One of the things, it's cheesy to say, I am so grateful for Disney. It, of course, has its shortcomings. I have my beef with it. We all have various beefs with it, I'm sure. Um, but, but net huge positive. But net huge positive. Some of the best uh, aspects of my life uh, were because of my time there. Um, mm-hmm. Meeting literally the kindest and most talented people on earth. Yeah. Like, it is unparalleled almost. Um, to It's just a wealth of of talent and creativity and you can't throw a stick without somebody who is just gonna knock your socks off one way or the other oh it's yeah really really great very true um so disney a plus gold star i haven't been back since i've left it, i because I, I imagine i'll weep when i go back i'm pretty sure i'll cry because i'll be happy and oh, man. a little, yeah. little teary so uh my lady and i are going to be there in january and she has not been to Disney. Oh my goodness. So we're going to go the second week of January, which is primo time to go to a theme park. Yes. Oh, we should. For, for, for we actually real. should actually for mention real? this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's long. I know, I know it's, it's long. long. But trust me, if you want to go to Disney World, I have no idea about Disneyland, but you want to go in uh, January. It's February. Pre- February. Early March. Early March. Make sure, like, if everyone else is on spring break, if you're on spring break, everyone else is on spring break. So that's going to be a rough time to go. November after Halloween, mm-hmm. but before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And then if you want to see all the Christmas stuff, go the like the first week. Of, Maybe two weeks. First two, two weeks, weeks of, of December. December. You will. It will still be more busy, but the closer you get to the holiday, 
Don't do not do, do not go there for Christmas. Don't. Do not go there for New Year's. July 4th? Do, 4th of July? No. Get out. Get your own fireworks and go to a cabin on a lake. Because it is, uh, I would be stopped by security constantly. Like, are you even supposed to be here today? Like, cast members aren't supposed to be there. They shut parks down. Oh, yeah. They get full and there's no room. So please, for anything, for anything, the general rule is if school is in session, that's when you should. That's go. when you should go. If you have kids, I promise you, you're going to have such a better time if you just take your kids out of school and go. Then you'll yep. do three times more of the activities. Everyone will be happier. The flights and hotel rooms are cheaper. Cheaper. Just go. And for weather, for real. For real. January, February. Yeah. And if you want the Christmas experience, which is dope. It is so beautiful. It's great. It is so beautiful. Uh, go early December. Yeah. Early December. And September is also lovely because it's a little bit cooler, quote unquote. Quote unquote. I don't know. I've had some brutal <laughs> hot days in November yeah. there, too. <laughs> but I like how we're both like, oh, my God, this is our we message. Forgot. We, we forgot. have to tell people when it's the best time to go. Yeah. Um. Okay. Any... Any last thoughts? Thank you for coming here, Chase, Thank and talking to me about this. Having me, I am grateful that I have had uh, the Disney actor experience in my life because it made me a much better performer. Uh, but it also put me in touch with people like yourselves who have been lifelong friends. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, your tears are real. <laughs> okay, now I'm not just taking my top off to show you how beautiful my arm is, but. I like to end each show with musical arm farts. Oh, I've never. Okay. Am I to do this oh, as yeah, well? Oh, yeah, please. Okay. Jump here we in. Go. You have to get on the beefy, the meaty part of your arm. I am a professional, and you should hire me in the arts. <laughs> Chase Paget. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love you dearly. I love you too, I don't Sarah. know why I'm waving at you. We're right in the same room. Because we're going to continue to hang out today. We are. So, all right. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Hi, I Think You're Nice. Bye. Bum, bum, bum. Ba-da-bum.